Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Homeland Park Baptist Church. Pretty interesting to see that our president uh, made a proclamation that churches ought to be getting back together. And uh, I'm grateful that we have a president that uh, believes that. And also, I'm grateful that there are people that say, well, president, the church has never stopped meeting. Because the church is not the building, it's the people. And so we're going to be talking about that a little bit this morning. And before we get started, I want to tell you that on the front pew here and in the back, if you haven't got a packet of information, um, I'll talk about it when we get done just for a second. But there is, uh, we're doing a lighting upgrade prayerfully to our church. It's explained in there that we're going to vote on next week. And then there's some other things there that you can look through and take with you. We didn't want to hand them out to you because of the proximity and passing something back and forth. So they're on the front pew if you haven't got one or in the back as you leave. All right, let's pray. God, uh, we are standing in your love today and we have uh, enjoyed singing your praises, Lord. Though short it may have been, Lord, in our time together, may you be glorified. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Uh, Obviously, Monday is... Memorial Day, and we will be ending our service today with a special memorial prayer. But last week we talked about never taking going to church for granted. And we spoke about, you know, how in the Bible it was important to them to start the church and why we should be a part of it. Now, today we take that one step further and we talk about never taking being the church for granted. Never take being the church for granted. You see, it has never been more important for God's children to resist or to realize the church is more than a building. You see, in a time where people want to get back into a routine where businesses are open, schools are instructing, and beaches are packed, amen, (laughs) make sure your desire to see God use you wherever you are in your routine is first and foremost. And so my question would be, are you willing, and am I willing, are you willing to yield to God when He yields to you or When he asks you, hey, tell that person about me. Share your faith. You may not know the outline. You may not know any verses to say. But when the Holy Spirit convicts you and tells you, look, you need to talk about me to this person. Would you be willing to get out of your normal routine and do that? Well, before we get into the scripture, I want to introduce you to somebody by the way of a story. His name is Gareth, G-A-R-E-T-H, Clark. And Gareth, he was uh, a general, regular person, and he is like superhero status. People have given him superhero status. And let's, let's listen to what is special about him. Gareth Clark, who is from Great Britain, is a superhero. He doesn't wear a mask or a cape, but yet seems to be there in the moment when somebody needs him the most. And his superpower is actually saving lives. Has anybody heard of Gareth Clark yet? Okay, well, you're you're hearing about him. At the age of 36, Gareth placed his life on the line to save two other people. Gareth has stopped a suicidal woman who was leaping to her death and revived a heart attack victim and pulled two drowning people from a river. Leaping into rivers to save people drowning or pulling a woman off an overpass before she jumped or performing CPR on a man before he died. He did all of these things and he sounds like an amazing superhero, doesn't he? And actually, he's a regular guy. He is like you and he is like me. 
He is a facilities manager by day and a pub bouncer by night. Sounds like a superhero, right? But the thing is that he's a regular guy. So how in the world can a regular guy do these superhero things? Well, those that he has helped have given him the title of hero. Some even call him a walking angel. However, Gareth dismisses those titles. And he says, check this out. I just don't think you should look the other way when someone needs help. I just don't think you ought to look the other way when someone needs help. If there has ever been a day that Scripture needs to be speaking to this fact, it is today. Not words of a superhero, but of someone who simply wants to find someone in need. And that could be any of us in here. It could be any of us at any time today. So what we realize is that being the church means that we need to love God and love people outside of these walls. That's what being the church means. When someone says, oh, I go to Holman Park Baptist Church, I want you to understand everybody thinks we're talking about the building and, and what we're doing here. But if you go to this church, you are the church. So what does that mean for you and me? In Acts chapter 3, that's where we're going to be this morning. We're going to be in verses 1 through 10. And if you don't have the outline, uh, it is in the Facebook Live description. There you can see the outline there. I apologize. I had technical difficulties with my, my presentation on the screen. But I think if you follow along in Scripture, you will see it plainly. But the first thing we see is that we need to be available for God to use you outside of the church walls. Be, just be available. Say, God, when I walk out of these church walls, if you put something in front of me, I will obey you when you prompt me. You see, we must look for God to work in our daily normal routines. You ever heard of someone saying, I feel like I'm in a rut? Have y'all, have, do you know what that term means, being in a rut? Okay. Just want to make sure because some people, you never know. I find out how dumb I am when I talk to the teens there in the back and they, I use a word and they look at me like, ah, we don't say that anymore. Right? Okay, thank you for that verbal affirmation. But the thing is, have you ever wondered where the term being in a rut came from? It began in the early 1600s. It was a narrow track that was worn out or cut into the ground. In other words, they would go through a trail and they would have horses and wagons and those wheels would make ruts. And so when somebody else would come behind them, they would put their horses in the same place and put their wheels in that rut. Just like if you're driving in snow and someone has gone ahead of you, what do you do? You try to line up your wheels with the rut and go in it, right? You just, everybody goes in the same situation. Now, but being in a rut while traveling is one thing. But the thing is, is that when you follow somebody else's trail, when you follow a rut, you are stuck in that. And the thing is, is that wherever that rut leads, that's where you're going to go. What if someone blazed a trail right over a cliff or right over a waterfall? And we just are stuck in that rut and we keep going and going and going. With traveling, it's one thing. But being in a rut, having a normal routine, you and I do the same thing every day while running the risk of missing something God may be placing in front of us. 
If, if you and I are always trying to do the normal thing, the in the rut thing, we've got this on Monday, this on Tuesday, this on Wednesday, and we're not at least open to the idea of God intervening, like even right now, that God would just do something amazing in this sanctuary, that, that where the Holy Spirit would just fall upon us. It could happen any day. You never know that something that one of these scriptures say will speak straight to the heart of something you have a need for today. But face it, the older we get, the more routines we develop. This is why so many during these days are distressed, because their routines are not routine anymore. You can't just go to a restaurant. You can't just go with your kids and go to to do something as far as recreation. Your kids are not in school giving you time to do whatever you were going to do. I mean, there's so many different things that are going on. The thing that I want to say is that I really wish we could work, wipe the word routine and normal out of our vocabulary. I've heard people say, I just want to get it back to normal. And many of you have heard me talk about it in my life. There was a time a few years ago where that was my biggest fear. God, just, just let me get back to normal the way it was before all this chaos was breaking out. And he said, James, I don't do normal. I said, oh, okay. Then I, I learned some lessons. So it was, as we look at this passage today, it was only weeks since the Jewish leaders plotted to kill Jesus, and they were successful. Peter and John were traveling, and they decided to attend one of the three daily services that the Jewish people were having at their temple. And there, no one was experiencing anything out of the ordinary. I'm sure that, that like, I'm just as guilty when I came in this morning and set up all the stuff I had to set up and, and y'all were walking in. We are here because we, we love worshiping God and we love being together and we love hearing the word proclaimed. But do we expect something out of the ordinary to happen? I don't know that I always do that. And this reminds me to, to keep an open mind. Because look at Acts chapter 3 verse 1. It says, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. From birth. It wasn't something that happened gradually. From the time he was born, he was lame. Each day he was put beside the temple gate. The one called the beautiful gate. If you, if you know a little bit about Jewish history and about Jerusalem, they had many gates that people would go into in the city that had many different purposes. And so the beautiful gate was like the one that everybody wanted to be at. So he, they put him there so he could beg from the people going into the temple. And so when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. It sounds like something that you and I would be uh, faced with anywhere today that we go, especially here in Anderson, is that people asking for money. But the difference is, is that Peter and John looked at him intently. Peter and John looked at him intently. Too many times we are guilty of not looking at the people that are asking us for help. But they looked at him intently. And they said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly expecting some money. But Peter said... I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Woo! I don't have money, but I can give you something that nobody else said. I can give you Jesus. And immediately he was healed. Look, what we see from here is that 
We need to look past a person's plight to see their God-given value. Let me say that one more time. We must look past a person's plight, plight meaning their situation, to see their God-given value. Whether it be somebody that's on the side of the road or whether it be somebody that's got more gold on them than you can count. And any there, anywhere there in between, our value is not based upon what is on our body or what is happening to our body. Our value is based on what God intrinsically gave us at our creation. If you don't believe me, it would have been easy for Peter and John to look at this man, say, oh, he's a beggar, and move on and go to their prayer service. There's only a problem with that. Jesus told a story about the Good Samaritan in Luke 10 that informed them that that was not what we're supposed to do. And also, as I said a moment ago, we are created in God's image. Genesis chapter 1 verse 27 proclaims that. That when, when God made us, He said, look, of all the things I created, this is the best thing that I have created. So what we see that is no one is beyond God's love. No one is beyond God's love. Do not assume that a person that is begging does not need Jesus. Do not assume that people who look like they have it all really have it all. Look at Peter and John. When the beggar asked them for some money, they said they had no money, but they would give him Jesus. Folks, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, people are very good at wearing masks. And the best people at wearing masks are the Christians. The ones that come to Sunday morning and say, hey, brother, how's it going? Oh, everything's fine. Hey, sister, how are you doing? Oh, it's just, it's just peachy. It's great. And you know that when you tell them that, that you're lying in church, so that makes you guilty. And then sometimes you're like, I, I wish I could tell somebody what's really going on. I, I wish that we could have churches where we could just be real with folks. And I feel like I'm very fortunate in this church because, because that is the case, is that we can be very real and transparent with people. I know that I have and I've, I've been ministered to. From people in this church. But the thing is. Is that we must remember. That we may ask God for what we want. But he gives us what we really need. Think about the beggar. That he wanted money. But Peter and John gave him what he really needed. See the beggar was taking advantage of an opportunity. Like right now. I could go ahead and name to you. At least in Homeland Park. And you probably could too. One of three or four places where you can be guaranteed that some of the people that we see the most on a corner panhandling are going to be. We've seen that. We've talked to them. I've talked to them. And I understand, I understand their situation. But the thing is, is that we need to, to fight the temptation to say, ah, there's that person and write them off. We ought to say, look, there's that person. I know they don't have anything, everything together right now. And I'm not going to give them money, but I'm just going to pray that Jesus reaches them. And it's not just for the panhandlers. This is for everybody. This is for your family members. This is for your, your co-workers that seem to have it all together. Look, we don't have it all together. We need Jesus. And so what a contrast. You see the beautiful gate of, of the temple and you see this beggar that he has placed there because he is gaining the system. He knows that these Jewish leader is going to come in there. And the thing is, is if a Jewish leader were to give somebody money, it made them look good. So their, uh, their desire for recognition is feeding into his desire to get money from them. And so the thing is, is that it was seen honorable as honorable 
for the Jews to give to the poor. The poor had no government to take care of them, and the beggars were smart. They knew where the high traffic areas were. This may be the very reason why Peter didn't give them, give the beggar money. Even if he had it, I mean, if he would have given that beggar money, he would have looked just like those hypocritical, pious Jews that were going in to throw money to look good in front of everybody and to go in and worship God. Maybe that's the reason he didn't even give them money. Folks, you don't always have to give people money. But we have to be vocal about what Jesus has done in our life and is doing in our life. But there again, there is greater risk involved in being the church rather than going to church. You know what I mean? I remember pep rallies when I played football in high school. Man, they were great. You'd go into the gym, you'd get an abbreviated school schedule during the day. And you'd go into the gym, cheerleaders are cheering, coaches are talking, people are pumping you up for the big game. Everybody, woo, that's great. But you know what? It's sometime around 7.30 or 8 o'clock, all of a sudden that guy's looking in front of you and you've got to make your block and you've got to make your tackle. It's a big different story, isn't it? Look, we, we can have our pep rallies in here, but when we go outside of these walls, when we are outside of these walls, we are still Holman Park Baptist Church. Those of you that are watching on Facebook Live, you are Holman Park Baptist Church. We don't need a t-shirt to say that. Is that when we interact with people and God puts people in front of us, we need to give them Jesus. Now remember, Paul and John were walking into the city where Jesus was crucified. And they were going to worship with the very people that had him killed. They were fearless because they were going in the power of Jesus. And the key to their boldness was found in verse 6 where it says, In the name of Jesus, he says, get up and walk. Folks, going to church is important. We can experience God's power in the setting of a community. But being the church is important so that others can see the effect Of what happens in here. I mean, think about it. Look, you're in here. God is speaking to you today. The best thing that we can do is go out and show that to the world that we go to. The best thing that if you're watching this video is that you can take this and be different and show the difference. Just like the beggar did in this parable. Yes, going to church is important. But being the church outside of these walls is important. Look, it's at the end of the day, God's not going to judge us for our musical styles of what music we have in church, what music we like in church. He's not going to judge us on whether we use the King James Version or not. He's not going to judge us about how many programs the church has offered. He's not going to judge us about what we wore or what we required. He's going to judge us about what church? About what we have done with Jesus. Have we accepted Him and have we shared Him? Those two things. What's the greatest commandment? Jesus said, love God and love others. And if we love others, we are going to share Jesus with them. Why? Because we are Holman Park Baptist Church, which is part of the church of God. We are to minister to people that God puts in our path. We also see in verses 7 through, 7 through 10 that being the church outside of the building brings people into the church. Look, look, I am grateful that if, if people have, have come to this church because they have heard about what's going on here or about the preaching or the music or a program or, I mean, you, 
it, all these different things that we have done here. Look, that's great. But I don't want people here for me. I know Tammy and the praise team, we don't want people here for them. The choir doesn't want people to come here for them. We want people here because they love Jesus. And being the church outside of the church brings people into the church. Some of you are here today because somebody represented Christ and represented our church in such a way that you said, you know what? I'm going to go try that. I'm looking at your faces right now. You are here because somebody was the church in front of you. And folks, we all must do the same and reciprocate that and pay that back. See, here's the thing. It says in verse 7, Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, check this out, as he did, in other words, immediately, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up. It wasn't one of these wobbly things like you see a, a young horse or a calf try to get up and they're trying to get the feet. He's like, whoo! He sprung out like a middle schooler trying to get some skittles. I mean, he was ready to go. He jumped up, it says, stood on his feet and began to walk. Then walking turned into leaping, and then leaping turned into praising God. And he went to the temple with them. So can you imagine these guys that were giving him money all these years? They see the guy that was begging just a moment ago that is now walking and jumping and praising God into their church. What would happen if somebody would have said, we would have come into our church this morning walking, praying, and jumping? We would have said, hey, brother, you need to go meet Pastor Phil down there at the Freedom Assembly of God, right? I love my brother, man. I, I wish we could have a little dose of what they got. Man. But look, it's okay to praise Jesus. It's okay to be vocal. It's okay to raise your hands. And look, if you're like this, and you're like, I'm social distancing and I ain't praising nothing. That's fine. But if in your heart you are praising God, then you just praise Him in your heart. I just don't feel comfortable raising my hand. Don't raise your hands. But don't give somebody the old look of, ah. If they want to raise theirs. You know? I'm getting sidetracked. I apologize. Well, anyway, we see that the beggar walked into the temple with him. Folks, there will always be people outside the church that need to be inside of the church. The question is, do the church people really want them? If they do, they will try to reach them. It's kind of like a family reunion. I've heard people say, and I believe it, that, oh, our church is a loving church. And praise God for that. I praise God for that. But we have to be very careful. Because think about it. When you go to a family reunion or a wedding or a funeral and you love seeing all of your, most of your family, you love seeing most of your family there and everything's great. But if somebody outside of the family comes in and wants some of that, nah, that's a little different. I don't want this to be a loving church to those who come into the walls of this church, but if somebody sees us out in the community, we're hateful like everybody else. That's not what we're supposed to do. We see that in this scripture. Folks, being the church begins with praising God. We see that in the life of the beggar. He says, all the people saw him walking and heard him praising. Folks, everybody likes to hear praise, right? I mean, just like this morning, I said, honey... I love you, and you look very pretty this morning. She appreciated it, right? She didn't say anything to me, so I guess I'm all right. <laughs> I don't want everybody, anybody to say anything to me after a while. I'm just picking. But the truth of the matter is, we all like to be thanked. We all like to be praised. Hey, man, that was great. Hey, 
hey, lady, that was great. I really appreciate the way you did that. Don't you like being praised? Huh? Okay, yeah, we like being praised. So if we like being praised, we ought to give it. Right? I cannot stand a person when you talk to them, everything is about them. They one-up you. They cut you off on your stories. And they want to tell you everything. And whatever you've done, they've done it better. Look, we don't want people to one-up us. We're not going to one-up God. We need to praise Him. We ought to praise Him right now just for the fact that we have air in our lungs and that we're meeting in a church that a month ago was closed. And be grateful for that and to know that we can go out into the community and that we can be the church to other people. So being the church begins with praising God. And you may be in a season right now where you don't feel like praising God. Folks, there are seasons in our lives that, to be truthful, it's really hard to be thankful to God when you feel like you're being put through the ringer. In those times, it is more important than ever to be honest with God. He knows how you feel. Talk to Him about it. Let Him know how you feel. And be thankful that you have a God that wants to hear you tell Him how you feel. Even if you do not understand in the moment what is happening, because here's the thing, the best way to get out of a rut, the best way to get out of a hurtful season is to focus on helping others rather than focusing on getting yourself out of a funk. That's why missions is so impossible. That's why church is so impossible. Satan wants us to dwell and simmer and stew on what's going wrong with us. And God says, look, I love you. I've got this. Go tell other people. Because the truth is, the pain that you have felt, there is somebody in your proximity that is feeling that and you could help them. During the midst of the time when I lost my parents, I was hurting. I didn't like it. I told God I didn't like it. I told God I wasn't appreciating what he was doing to me. I was honest with him, and I was thankful that he listened to me in all my prayers. And sometimes he said, okay, just James, let it out. And then when I did, I was better. And I praise God now that I'm out of that valley. And I'm sure another one will come at some point. But now that I'm out of that valley, I'm thankful. And I praise God that even when the bottom I hit the bottom, it was solid, and he was there, even when I didn't feel like it. We still have to be the church. And then we see that being the church leads to greater opportunities. It says in verse 10, when they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beauty gate, they were absolutely astounded. Check this out, folks. The lame man was not remembered for being disabled. He was remembered for what God had done in his life. If you've ever had a time in your life where you have been labeled or you have failed or you have just, that has not been your proudest moment, that does not define you. If you're looking at this video right now, in your best and worst of times, they don't define you. Just like this man, he was called the beggar. Now he's called the man who is praising the Lord. And you can praise God. That He can make you a new creation. He can heal you from what you need. So never take for granted being the church, is, being the church again. Not going to church. We need to be great, not take that for granted. But we need to not take for granted the fact that we are the church. God called you. God healed you. And God restored you to take the gospel message to others. You were chosen by God to reach those He is calling Will you be like Gareth Clark that says, 
I just don't think I can stand by when someone else needs help. If you're in the position of Peter and John, be bold. And if you're in the position of the beggar, be open for God to work. Because you see, both of these, the beggar and Peter and John, both had their routines. They were just going to church, Peter and John. The beggar was doing what he has done since he was old enough to remember. Beg at the beautiful gate. And both of them were in their rut, doing their thing, when God stepped in. And he will do the same for you as well. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this time today. And Lord, it is my prayer that if we have people that need to talk, have need to make the decisions, need, need to they identify with the beggar that they need Jesus. They need healing. They need help. The Lord, they would they would speak to their friends that are here. They would speak to their pastor. They would speak to me. They could reach out online if they're watching the video. Or just somehow, let's talk about what God wants to do during this time of decision in this moment. Lord, maybe there's some here that are, are feeling a little convicted because... They don't do as much as they should outside of these walls. And then I would say, good, God, thank you for doing the the job. Because I know I am convicted as well. May you take that conviction and make us not feel sorry and guilty for ourselves, but be motivated to do something about it. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Before we leave today, I didn't want you to think that that we would forget this. Tomorrow is Memorial Day. And... Uh, I, I am in awe, as you are too. I was uh, talking with Stacy earlier about you know, how our, our heroes are, those in the medical field, those that, that are, are doing things, the, the, the trash collector at the dump. I mean, I mean, so many different people that are heroes, but yet we don't, do not want to forget those that are serving in our armed forces. And Memorial Day is all about those that have given their lives for us to have freedom so that we can enjoy church. So that we can do the things that we do. John fifteen thirteen says, There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. So what I would just like to ask you to do at this moment, that if you have someone in your family that has given their lives through the armed services, I would just like you to stand and we, we would like to pray for you in their sacrifice. Would you please just stand where you're at? Thank you. Thank you so much. I want to thank you for your family member's sacrifice. And, and not that we don't want to recognize those that are serving now because we are grateful for them. But those that know the cost of freedom, meaning the life of a loved one, we lift them up to you. And if you're watching by Facebook Live today, that goes for you too. If you've lost a loved one in the services, then we pray for them as well. Would, would you all join me as we pray for those standing, those watching online? And those that are here today. Dear Heavenly Father, we remember those who have made the ultimate sacrifice for the freedoms that we enjoy every day. We think of how they followed in the footsteps of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Please hold our service men and women in your strong arms. Cover them with your sheltering grace and your presence as they stand in the gap for our protection. We also remember the families of our troops. We ask for your unique blessings to fill their homes. And we pray for your peace, your provision, and strength in their lives. May the members of our armed forces be supplied with the courage to face each day. May they trust in the Lord's mighty power to accomplish each task. 
May our military brothers and sisters feel our love and support in this moment. For it's in your name we pray. Amen.